And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Christ wants us to take a stand for Him in this hostile world. Well, okay, great. How do we do that? Our text reveals at least three factors that will help. So number one, to take a stand for the Lord, go often to the foot of the cross. Go back to the cross. I can't say for certain what made Joseph come out of hiding. Perhaps it was the result of a long process. We, we know that he had heard Jesus' teaching, especially that leak last week there in the temple. He had heard of his many miracles, especially the one that had happened recently with raising Lazarus from the dead. Knowing the Scriptures, as he would have, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, he realized that Jesus uniquely filled many messianic prophecies. Uh, he also could see the jealousy and just the selfishness of the fellow members of the council. Unlike the majority of them, Luke tells us that Joseph was a good and righteous man who was waiting for the kingdom of God. So as Joseph's convictions about Jesus grew, he also grew more uncomfortable with the views of his fellow members of the Sanhedrin. And finally, he could no longer keep it in. But I think the deciding factor that pushed Jesus over the line was standing at the cross and watching Jesus die. Luke actually hints at this. In verse 47, he states that when the centurion saw the events at the cross, and particularly heard the last cry of Jesus, that he broke forth in praise. Surely this man was the Son of God. In the next verse, he reports that when the multitudes um, observed what had happened, that they went home beating their breasts. They knew that something significant was going on. He also reports that Jesus, his acquaintances, and the women who followed him were standing at a distance seeing these things, watching the events of the cross. Now, in the King James Version, immediately Luke adds, and behold, in, in our version, it's now. Okay, in the King James, it's, and behold, he does it to grab our attention. Not only were his uh, followers observing these things, but all, of all the people, a member of the council was there seeing what was going on. And think about it, seeing the sky darken, watching Jesus on the cross, hearing his final words, hearing the centurion's praise, watching the multitude depart in mourning, all of this mounted up until Jesus said, I mean, uh, Joseph said, that's enough. I can't hide my convictions any longer. I don't care what it costs me, cost me, I'm going to Pilate and I'm going to give this man the decent burial that he deserves. We understand that the, the cross is the center of the Christian faith. Uh, we can't stand and take it in as Joseph and the others did that day, but we should still come often to the foot of the cross and think about its implications. Paul summed up the core of the gospel for us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. He says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose on the third day according to the Scriptures. So the, the cross is central. If you go there often, you will not be the same. It's going to strengthen you to take a stand for Christ. Now, there's just some particulars here. A, going to the cross will remind us that Jesus died. That seems kind of obvious to us, but it's an important fact to establish. If Jesus did not actually die, then He did not die for our sins. And if He did not die, then He couldn't have been bodily resurrected. In which case, Paul says, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. 
Jesus didn't just swoon or go into a semi-comatose state, as some liberals have asserted. The Gospels all make it clear that Jesus died physically. And there's plenty of proof in Scripture here that tells us, yes, that Jesus did die. Now, there are some seeming, seemingly incidental facts of Jesus' death that actually fulfill Old Testament prophecies. The fact uh, that they were fulfilled in such an obviously unintentional manner, that really underscores God's sovereignty and the careful accuracy of biblical prophecy. For example, the soldiers, if you'll remember, they broke the legs of the two men on each side of Jesus. Why do they do that? That hastens death. They can no longer hold themselves up. Their legs are broken and they suffocate. Okay? They didn't break the legs of Jesus. Why? Two reasons. For them, it was because, oh, he's dead. <laughs> we don't have to break his legs. He's dead. The other reason is to fulfill Scripture. Psalm 22 says about the Messiah, I can count all of my bones. None of his bones were broken. This fulfilling Scripture. How about the, uh, the guy that comes along, the soldier, he sees Jesus and he goes, let's make sure. <laughs> Blood, water gushes out. If he hadn't been dead, guess what? That would do it. But did you know that also fulfills Zechariah 12.10? This is the Messiah speaking. He says that Israel will look on me whom they have pierced. All right. We'll be going to the cross. will remind us that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus didn't just die an everyday death like the two criminals beside him. He offered himself as the Lamb of God, the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. The darkness at noon, that pictured the judgment that God was pouring out on the cross, on Jesus, on Jesus there. His cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That reveals his agony as he was made sin on our behalf. The torn veil in the temple, that shows that through his death, Jesus opened the way into the Holy of Holies. So the cross satisfied God's holy wrath against our sin so that He can be both just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. We'll see going to the cross reminds us that Jesus was buried. Now, why does Paul mention his burial in the summary of the gospel? We talk about it, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? Well, Jesus' burial is further evidence of His death. If there was a glimmer of life left in him, surely Joseph and those who helped take him down off the cross, uh, they would have noticed. Now, as mentioned, the fact of his burial in a tomb, well, I didn't mention this, I skipped it. Joseph of Arimathea provides us with some evidence of the resurrection that wouldn't have been there if he had not offered to bury Jesus. You know what they would have done with him? They would have tossed him on the garbage pile in Gehenna, in the, in the Valley of Gehenna. It was a continually burning garbage pile. And that's what they did with dead criminals. They threw them on top of that. But he goes to Pilate and says, No, let me, let, me, let, me, let me bury him. Here's some of the proofs that that burial provides us with. Think about it. First, we have the empty tomb. The disciples saw the grave clothes lying there. The heavy stole, stone rolled against the entrance, sealed with the Roman seal and with the, uh, the, the guarded by the Roman soldiers. That gives us evidence that the tomb was not uh, raided by, by grave robbers. Uh, Matthew 27 tells us that Joseph was a rich man. 
Isaiah 53, 9 predicts that the Messiah's grave was assigned with the wicked men. That's the ones he's dying with. Yet, he was with a rich man in his death. Joseph's burial specifically fulfilled that prophecy. The fact that it was a new tomb gives further evidence that Jesus' body could not have been mixed up with another body in the tomb because guess what? He was the only one. And behold, he's no longer there. Also, Jesus' burial is further proof of his real humanity. In the early days of the church, there was a doctrine going around called docetism. Now, that word comes from the Greek verb meaning to seem, S-E-E-M, to seem. It denied that Jesus was a real man. Rather, he only seemed to be so. Now, behind that heresy was the view that matter is essentially evil. If you can touch it, if you can feel it, if you can hear it, whatever, it's essentially evil where spirit is good. This, in turn, leads to all sorts of wrong ideas and behavior. It undermines the incarnation. Jesus wasn't a man. It undermines the atonement. He could not have died for our sins. It undermines the resurrection. He was never real to die to be resurrected. If Jesus was not a real man who died for our sins and then was bodily raised, then we have no salvation. So it's important to affirm Jesus' burial. James Stalker says, Only the Christ of Scripture could have brought us the salvation of the Scriptures. Well, D, going to the cross will remind us that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. Now, Paul states that, as I said, Christ died for our sins, He was buried, and then He was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. We're going to examine the resurrection more fully there in chapter 24, so I'm only going to mention it here in passing. Now, as you know, the resurrection is the foundation of the entire Christian faith. It's God's proof to all men that He will someday judge the world in righteousness through Jesus. So if you struggle with taking a bold stand for Christ, go to the foot of the cross. Remember that Christ died for your sins, but also that He was raised from the dead and that He is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Well, second major point here is to take a stand for the Lord, be prepared to pay the price. There's, there's always a price. Don't think that there's not. We're not whole, told what happened to Joseph of Arimathea after he buried the body that day. But I don't think it's being too speculative to say that he paid a heavy price. Guess what? When we associate ourselves with Christ, we may have to pay a heavy price as well. We may have to sacrifice our reputation when the Sanhedrin heard that one of their own had buried this despised Galilean, they would have been shocked and enraged. Do you remember what they did to the man that, in John 9 that Jesus healed there at the entrance to the temple? They cast him out of the synagogue. They would not let him participate anymore. It's not hard to imagine that they immediately voted Joseph out of the council for burying Jesus, excluding him from any positions of religious or social influence. You know, often it's not just your reputation in the world, but also your rep reputation in the religious world that takes a beating when you take a bold stand for Christ. The evangelical church in America has grown tolerant of just about any, anyone except the man who stands for biblical truth on an unpopular issue. But the crucial matter is not what people think about you, not what they say about you. The crucial matter is what does God think of you? If you live to please Him, guess what? Then you can let Him take care of your reputation. But we also may have to sacrifice our religion. 
Think about it. In order to bury Jesus, Joseph had to defile himself ceremonially by touching a dead body. You weren't allowed to do that. Think of when he's doing it. Thursday evening, early evening, was Passover. It's now the next day. It's still Passover day, and he has defiled himself. The Passover feast was a week long. That day was actually becoming the Sabbath, right? Their Friday evening to Saturday evening is the Sabbath. So here he is defiling himself. Who joined him? Do you remember? Nicodemus, another council member. They, they, they both felt that it was more important to give Jesus a proper burial than it was to remain ceremonially pure for the remainder of the Passover feast. Christ now was their true Passover. He was the lamb who had been slain. They let go of their rituals, rituals and they laid hold of Jesus Christ. Um, we may have to sacrifice our riches for Christ. Uh, Joseph gave up his personal tomb, and that was an expensive thing to do. Remember, he wasn't expecting it to be vacated in three days. <laughs> he didn't know he was going to get it back. Uh, he could have bought a cheaper tomb out in the countryside for Jesus, but he didn't. He, he gave Jesus the best. He, he bought linen wrappings and spices. He probably had to pay Pilate for the body, but he was willing to give generously because he believed in Jesus as his Lord and Messiah. Do you remember what Jesus said? No one of you can be my disciple who does, does not give up all of his own possessions. Does that make you go, hmm, it should. Now you say, did he mean that literally? Well, he didn't mean it any more literal than when he said that you, uh, you must hate your families in order to follow him. Uh, but before you say, phew, and go on living just as you were, you really need to he hear, think hard about those words that Jesus spoke there. You cannot buy Jesus off by giving him a tenth of your income. In fact, uh, for most of you, if you only give a tenth, it's a good chance you are robbing God. Most of us could easily give far more than a tenth to the Lord's work if we really believed the Great Commission and if we were more careful stewards. We could live much more simply, give far more generously if, like Joseph, we were really waiting for the kingdom of God. If you give what is safe and convenient, convenient, then you're going to be safe and convenient when it comes time to take a bold stand for Christ. If you want to enliven your faith, give radically. <laughs> Number three, take a, to take stand for Christ, show up. Just, just show up and do what you can do. Now here I'm focused on the women who had followed him from Galilee, and now they want to see where he's buried and how, so they can come back and anoint him. And right now, their actions are springing more from love than from faith. They didn't understand yet or believe that he would be raised from the dead. But at least they showed up. Why weren't the eleven there with them helping with the burial? What were they doing? They were hiding in fear of the Jews. But because these women were there and because they went back on that resurrection morning, they had the privilege of being the first to see the risen Savior. One commentator observed, I love this, in the hours of crisis, it is often the Peters who have sworn loyalty to Jesus with big gestures, gestures and fullness of self-confidence that disappoint and it is the secret and quiet followers of the Master, like Joseph, Nicodemus, and the women, that do not hesitate to serve Him in love, whatever the cost. 
That's pretty good. Maybe you can't be an articulate verbal witness for Christ in front of a large group. That's not an easy thing to do. But you can still take a stand by your behavior, your attitude, your, your quiet resolve not to compromise, not to be like this world. Just show up in the sense of siding with Jesus, even if you aren't clear about how to defend the faith. Show your commitment and love for the Savior, and He'll use you as He used Joseph and these faithful women. Remember Martin Luther? There's a man who certainly modeled taking a stand for Christ. He didn't mean to start the Reformation, but he did. And once it was going, he stood strong. And he says, If I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of the Word of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that point attacking, I am not confessing Christ However boldly, I may be professing Christ. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is tested. And to be steady in all the battlefields besides is mere flight and disgrace if the soldier flinches at that one point. Is there a point where you know that you are compromising your stand for Christ? Where you are blending in with the world but you know that you need to take a stand for him. You need to learn from Joseph. Go to the foot of the cross. Think about the Savior's death on your behalf. Be prepared to count the cost because there will be a cost. And the next opportunity you have, show up. Do whatever you can to let others know that, yes, you are on Jesus' side. Even if you formerly were a secret disciple of God, he will use you as He used Joseph of Arimathea to be a bold witness and to render valuable service to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the examples that we see in Scripture. Paul tells us that Scripture is written for our benefit, for our good, for our uh, knowledge. Uh, we learn so much. And today we see a great example of somebody who had been timid and shy in their faith, afraid of what would happen if they professed Christ. And in the end, uh, Father, You drew him out and he expressed that love, which ended up giving us many uh, uh, just uh, further proofs, evidences of the resurrection so we are grateful for that. Help us to be like Joseph, no matter how timid, how shy, uh, unsure of ourselves we have been. Help us to take a stand simply by showing up, Father, and claiming Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I encourage you to turn to Him today. Paul says today is the day of salvation. It, it, forsake this world. Turn from your sin. Ask God to forgive you those sins and trust in what Jesus did on that cross 2,000 years ago as your means of salvation. That's what salvation is, is trusting Christ. Do that today. If you're a believer, uh, let's just use that word secret. Are you a secret believer? Nobody's a secret believer here, right? If I say, how many of you love and, and serve God, we're going to see 100% of the hands go up, right? But how about when you step outside these walls? Do people know that you're a Christian? Nobody knew Joseph was until that day came. He had been to the foot of the cross. He had seen your Savior die. And he said, that's it. I can't, I can't do it any longer. I'm going to stand up for Christ. I'm going to take a stand. Maybe you need to take a stand. Pray to God 
Nehemiah had to take a stand one time and he prayed a one sentence prayer to God. Actually, we don't know what he said. He just says, Artaxerxes says, hey, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? You don't look like yourself. And it says, Nehemiah prayed and said, talking back, I mean, it was a quickie, God, help me. And Nehemiah took a stand and what happened? The walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt. Sometimes that's all you have to do is take a stand and leave the rest up to God. I encourage you as a believer, be willing to do that week. Do that this week. Take a stand. Holy Spirit will let you know when you need to do it. Just do it. Be faithful. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.